0: i gonna be honest with you. I didn't think this was the direction we were going to go tonight. I already had uh, another message that I was going to preach this evening. I already had slides built for that message. And, um, and this morning, it just seemed like God began to change my direction. And so I want to give you a message that God's laid upon my heart here. And this is sort of Mature Christian 101 tonight, all right? This is not for the faint of heart. And so, uh, anyway, when you find your place in John chapter 11, if you're able to stand, let's all stand tonight out of respect for the reading of God's Word. And we're going to read the first 20 verses, and that's a lot, but I'll read them quickly, and and you can follow along with me if you will. And this is a very familiar story. Most of you know it. In fact, we're really not going to read the whole story because I'm not really preaching on the whole story. I'm just, I want to uh, bring some things out of the story And I want to preach on those things. And so John 11 and verse 1, the Bible says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days. And notice this phrase, still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again, his disciples saying him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again. Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there's no light in him. These things said, uh, said he, and after that he saith unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth but I go that I may awake him out of his sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. How be Jesus spake of his death? Because they, uh, but they thought that he uh, had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go into him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. And so I want to talk to you about that subject. And I want to really focus in on that, that word, the word steel. And I want to talk to you about that subject still in the same place. And so you may be seated tonight. And I hope this will be a help and a blessing. And I'll try to preach it fast tonight. And we'll try not to keep you late at all this evening. And uh, But let's go to the Lord and ask God to help us tonight. Father, thank you <clears throat> for this opportunity that we have to be back in the house of the Lord. We're very privileged. We're very blessed people tonight. And God, we want to thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you'll keep us well. I pray that you heal our sick. I pray they'll be back, they'll be back with us very, very soon. And Lord, I pray that you would knit our hearts together, and not only our hearts, but our minds tonight that we might learn what I believe is a great truth. God, you've already used this time of study to really challenge me. And I pray that you'll use it tonight to challenge our people. And I pray that you'll use it even over the live stream. I know we have several, several of our folk that are watching by way of live stream tonight. And so Lord, I pray that somehow that it will go through the live stream ministry in a powerful way. And I pray that what we say will make sense And I pray that what we say will be interesting. And I pray that what we say will, uh, Lord, will be edifying. But most of all, I pray that what we say will glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Save that one that's lost. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll use this time to help us to grow in our Christian walk and our Christian life. And so bless our discussion now, please, Father. We ask you for your power, the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask you for your help. Father, the best that we know how, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this service, and I pray that you would bind the powers of darkness, and God, I pray that you would keep your blessings here tonight. We love you, and we praise you, and we ask these things in Jesus' precious name, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. We notice here in the story in John chapter 11 that Lazarus has died. By the way, a very personal friend of the Lord, a good personal friend of the Lord. The Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ loved Martha, and he loved Mary, and also he loved Lazarus. He loved this family. Now, he loves everybody. He so loved the world. We know that. But but, but this is talking about something a little different than that. This was very personal. They were a personal acquaintance, a personal friend of the Lord. And Lazarus, this good friend, has died. And word of his death has been brought to Christ, hoping that he will be motivated to come. Besides that, Bethany is just a short little trip away. It's less than two miles. And so the Lord could have made this trip really uh, probably uh, in an hour, maybe even less than an hour, according to the terrain But but it was close. It was just just up the road of peace is what the Bible is saying here. Yet our Bible says that Jesus, although it was just a short trip away and although he was being motivated to come, our Bible tells us that Jesus remained still. He remained still. Now he could have moved, but he chose not to move. He remained still. Still. With every bit of common sense, common sense said it's time to move. We notice here in John chapter chapter 11 that Christ had people encouraging him to move. And so, again, I I really think there's a, a lesson here that would be great for us to learn tonight. And so everything in the story is encouraging Christ to move. We need you to move now. We need you to come now. It's urgent. And yet the Bible is clear to point out that Jesus remained still on purpose where he was. What's really interesting about this story is that we see this lesson taught not once, but we see this lesson taught twice. In the same exact, exact passage. Look at John chapter 11 and verse number 20. Now the Lord has come to Bethany, and word has begun to spread that, that the Lord has come. And, uh, and notice verse number 20 the Bible says, then, what's that talking about? Well, now that word has spread and Jesus is there, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, well, the Bible says she went. And she met him. But our Bible says here, but Mary sat still in the house. Now, I believe this tonight. I believe I've got a perfect Bible. And I don't believe there's anything in there that's by accident. And I also don't believe that this is just by coincidence that the Bible mentions this twice, once with the Lord and once with Mary. In fact, not only does the Lord paint this picture here and show us this story, but I believe this. I believe as, as often as the case, I believe the Bible is showing us not only a great lesson, but it's showing us a contrast, and the contrast is Martha. Now, I believe Martha's a great lady. Don't get me wrong. I really do. I, the, the Bible says that when Lazarus died, that many came to comfort Mary and Martha. Well, uh, most scholars believe that when we read that, that evidently that Martha and Mary were very well known and they, they had a, a place of prominence in the community uh, and that, that, that people loved Mary and Martha. And because of that, a lot of folk came. And so I believe that Martha was a go-getter. I believe that Martha was a good lady. I believe, uh, again, that Martha had a lot of, a lot of friends. But also we find here about Martha, and not just here, but we find that Martha is, is a character, a Bible character, that's known as being somewhat impulsive. Martha is the kind of lady that would be opinionated. Uh, how many have heard this term, hyper? <laughs> Some of you fit that bill right there, hyper. And, uh, uh, and that was Martha. Martha was that kind of a lady. By the way, I'm not criticizing that necessarily. Sometimes, sometimes that hyperactivity, sometimes that come, that, 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 that's convenient and sometimes uh, God can use that energy. But, but again, the Lord is painting a contrast. Here's this one woman, Martha, and when she gets word that Jesus is there, she doesn't wait. She instantaneously leaves the house. She finds him. And then you know the story. She says, Lord, if you'd have been here. If you'd have been here, my brother had not died. And so she doesn't wait around. Man, she just, she just goes into action. But on the other side, on the flip side of that, Mary... Even after hearing that Jesus had arrived. And this is the Mary that loved Christ so much that she anointed his feet with ointment and she wiped the very feet of his, uh, uh, wiped his feet with her hair. And so, man, she loved Christ. But when Mary hears that Jesus has arrived, our Bible says she stayed still. Let's get a lesson from that. How many know this, that the ability to remain still takes great self-control that most will never exhibit? Did you know when everything inside of you is telling you to respond and people around you are encouraging you to respond and when your emotions inside of you are encouraging you to respond, the truth of the matter is, most people are not spiritual enough to stay still. Most folks will go with the response. But this is the lesson tonight. Did you know that you'll you'll often accomplish greater things by being still and allowing God the opportunity to work rather than orchestrating a response? Now, I'm just going to throw this out there for you tonight. And, you know, uh, somebody said that, uh, that a lot of times truth is more caught than taught. And so you may, uh, maybe you'll catch this tonight. But as I begin to think about this subject of being still, I notice this. I notice that it's illustrated time and time and time again in Scripture. And I want you to see, we, we can't go to all of them. I've got several here tonight. We, we don't have time to go to all these. But I want to show you a few tonight at least. I want you to turn over to, to John chapter 8 tonight. You're in John 11, so just thumb back a page or two to John chapter number 8. And look at verse number 2. Again, we're talking about that, that ability to, when everything inside you is, is encouraging you to respond, uh, yet... Uh, you are still, notice John chapter eight and verse number two. Now this is the story of Jesus and the religious leaders. The Lord Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. Notice what happens here, he's teaching in the, in the temple. Uh, the Bible says in verse two, and early in the morning, he, talking about the Lord, came again into the temple and all the people came unto him. Well, there must be a large crowd there. Uh, the Bible says all the people came unto him and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery and when they had sent her in the midst, they, they say unto him, uh, and, and you know what I, I get from that? They didn't even let him finish. They just interrupted. They interrupted the class. Jesus is teaching the multitude, and yet these, these religious leaders are impulsive And so they just sort of barge in and take over. Verse 4, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses and the law commanded us that, that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. In other words, it wasn't because they were concerned about holiness or righteousness, it wasn't because they were concerned about the doing of right, it wasn't because they were concerned about this lady. But they just wanted to try to trip up the Lord. This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. Look at the next phrase here. But Jesus stooped down. And with his finger, wrote on the ground, and I love this next line, as though he heard them not. Look at verse 7. So when they continued asking, there's that idea of impulsiveness. There's that idea of, you know what, we're not going to leave this alone. We're we're, going to respond. We want to answer. We don't care if we've interrupted the class. We want you to give us an answer. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Now, again, the, the point being this, that uh, Jesus was a man, was he not? He was a man. He was 100% man, was 100% God. Uh, and so, uh, so there had to be temptation for the Lord to, Man, just let these guys have it. And yet the Bible says that that he was still. The Bible says that he stooped down and with his finger he wrote on the ground. Again, the point being this, that it takes uh, takes a lot of self-control, a lot of temperance to when everything is telling you to respond, it takes a lot of self-control to be sure that you're still. Turn over to Exodus chapter number 14 in your Bibles. Exodus chapter number 14. Way back in your Old Testament there. Uh, Exodus chapter number 14. And look at verse number 10, if you will. And I'll hit this quickly. Exodus chapter 14 and verse number 10. Again, I believe the Bible is painting in contrast. And so this is the story, of course, of the Israelites and the Red Sea experience. And so they, they've left Egypt. They're at the Red Sea Pharaoh is, is on their heels, they can't go forward because the Red Sea is there, they can't go back because Pharaoh and the armies of Israel are there and, and, and boy, the temptation is just to the temptation is just to, to respond, which by the way is what they do. Look at Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were sore afraid and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Now that would have been okay. But look at verse 11. And they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? And verse 12, we told you this had happened. Told you so. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Boy, they're just going on and on and on. But look at verse 13. Verse 13. The Bible says, and Moses said unto the people, fear ye not. Would you read the next two words with me? Ready? Stand. Stand still. Stand still still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Now, again, I've got. Two other illustrations there that i 'd love to show you tonight, but i i, I won 't take the time uh, to do that tonight but i 'm just saying this that uh, illustration after illustration after illustration in the Word of God is this that when we uh, when the temptation is to respond. Uh, maybe out in anger, maybe with the wrong kind of words, maybe with the wrong kind of treatment. Maybe someone treats you wrong and the temptation is to is to launch out and treat them wrong or maybe someone says something about you and so the temptation is for you to reach out and say something bad about them and tipped and tapped and, and he got me so I'm gonna get him and he hit me so I'm gonna hit him and, and, uh, and I'm gonna get even if it's the last thing I do. And yet the word of God teaches us this, that, that uh, it takes greater temperance and greater self-control for you to, uh, to refrain from responding and to be still. And I thought about this, church. Aren't you glad that God is still when it comes to our shortcomings? Do you know how many opportunities I've given my Heavenly Father to squash me like a bug you know how many times I have disappointed him? How many times I've let him down? How many times I've told him I wouldn't do something and end up doing it, and, and I've disappointed him and broke his heart, and and, uh, and 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 just you know wasn't the Christian that I ought to be. And yet, when God had the right to judge me and when God had the right to, to strike me down, and he did, and, and I don't know anybody that's too, too holy and high and mighty in here tonight that, that you can't relate to what I'm talking about tonight. And uh, truth of the matter is, we've all stumbled and we've all failed, and, and last time I checked, there's no perfect people in this place, and, and I'm just telling you, I've given him ample opportunity to judge me, and yet, boy, I'm so thankful that God has given me mercy and God has has given me grace and God when God, when I deserve judgment, thank God he was easy with me and he was compassionate with me and, and I thought about what the prophet Jeremiah said in Limitations chapter 3 verse 22 that it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness and I'm going to tell you what, I might just amen myself tonight because I'm telling you I serve a great and merciful God tonight And I'm glad that he, I'm glad my God's not impulsive. I'm glad my God doesn't just respond. I'm glad my God doesn't react. And so the idea here is stillness. I want to real quickly tonight as we close, I want to give you some practical areas where we as Christians ought to be still. How about this? number one, be still concerning position Be still concerning position. What do you mean, pastor? When everyone around you is changing, be still be still. Did you know that just because everybody else seems to be changing doesn 't mean that you have to, and so just be still, and I know that we're we 're seeing. A lot of crazy things and and we were having this conversation today that, you know what, that it's it's, it's got to be close the Lord's coming has got to be close we're seeing things happen now that that we've never seen happen and and, uh, and we're seeing our culture change and we're seeing uh, our government change and we're seeing our society change and unfortunately we're seeing churches change and we're seeing churches change their music and we're seeing churches change their ministry and we're seeing churches change their standards and we're seeing churches change their Bibles and uh, and and this is this is all I'm saying to you tonight Calvary Baptist Church you say pastor what are we going to do I mean the church is growing and new families are coming in and uh and and you say pastor what is your plan for Calvary Baptist Church and I just want to let you know that our plan for Calvary Baptist Church in the next few years as this church is growing and more and more people are coming in our plan is to be still is to be still when everybody else is changing and everybody else is changing their music and everybody else is changing their preaching and everybody else is changing their music, it is, our, it, is, it, it is our desire to just be still and just keep on preaching the gospel and keep on preaching Jesus and keep on lifting up the Lord. And you say, but pastor, that's, that's old fashioned. That's that's dinosaur stuff. I mean, uh, you mean to tell me you're really gonna, you're really gonna keep on preaching and you mean you really wanna keep on being a pre- a church and a praying church and a personal evangelism church. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying that when everybody around you is moving, when everybody around you is changing, when everybody around you is just moving to the impulses of the world, boy, there needs to be a church somewhere that says this we're just going to be still. We're just going to stay where we are. Now, I'm not saying we're not going to be relevant. I think we ought to be in touch with our culture. I'm not preaching that tonight. I believe, and and I'm thankful that God has given us uh, new modern facilities. But I'm, I'm just saying this, we need to be still. We still believe in the virgin birth of Christ. We still believe in that. We still believe in a second coming. We still believe that Jesus came out of the grave I'm talking about bodily, supernaturally. He didn't swoon. He didn't just come out in spirit. His body came out. We believe in the resurrection. We believe in the inspiration of the scripture. By the way, not backing up on that. But you say, Pastor, people are changing and churches are changing. I can't help who's changing and I can't help what preachers are changing. I, I'm gonna tell you what, I serve a God that changes not and with everything going on around us, hey, hey, Calvary, this is what I'm saying. Be still. Amen. Just be still. Well, you say, Pastor, if we don't change our music, how about our young people? Church, we got... We got more young people in this church than a lot of the average churches do that are changing their music and their ministry style and all that. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what we're not, what we're not gonna do. Brother, Rand, Brother Brandon in a year or two from now is not gonna be rapping on Tuesday night with the teenagers. I doubt Brother Brandon can rap Anyway. He's one of the best brothers I know, but I don't know he has that much soul. And I'm just, and I'm just telling you, our teenagers don't need rapping. Our teenagers need preaching. Amen. And our teenagers don't need a rock man to come in here on Sunday morning and, and gyrate all over this platform. Hey, they're good with the choir that we have on Sunday morning and the kind of music that we have at Calvary Baptist. Do you say, but preacher, everything's changing? I'm just saying this that there ought to be some people somewhere and a church somewhere that says, hey, you go ahead and do what you're going to do, but we're planning on being still. Still. Be still concerning. Position. Everybody good? Take a deep breath. We're liable to hit some turbulence on this next one. Be still concerning perception. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about opinion. I'm talking about the way you perceive something. Let me see if I can illustrate. Illustrate. You folks on the other side probably can't see this, but can y'all see that? Somebody tell me what that is. Brother Mike says half full. But there's probably somebody else in here that says, oh, that's half empty. I'm a half full kind of guy myself. I agree that it's half full, but there's probably a few folk in here that would say, "No, no, no, preacher, that's half empty." And this is what I want to say: Who cares? Who cares? Truth the matter is, and I know this is—I know this is crazy—but the truth the matter is, it don't matter. And yet, there are churches all over North Carolina that are fussing about trivial stuff just like this. The Bible says not one thing about it, Uh, There's not a right. There's not a wrong. It's just opinion based. And somebody says, well, I'm telling you that's half full. That's half full. That's half full. And somebody else says, no, it's not. That's half empty. That's half empty. That's half empty. And we have people and we have churches that are splitting. I'm not, listen, church, I'm not making this stuff up. We have churches that are splitting all over the place because of this thing of perception, this thing of opinion. And I want to, I want to tell us tonight that, listen, it's not always beneficial to offer your opinion. I'm talking about Democrat-Republican. I'm a full-fledged Republican. I make no bones about that. By the way, I'm a Republican for a reason. But when I was growing up, when I was growing up and I was a little guy, things were different. I'm pretty sure my mom and dad were card-carrying Democrats. But things change, don't they? But here's what I'm saying. If you're a Democrat, can we not serve Jesus together? I'm talking about, listen, I'm talking about things like Ford, Chevy. You say, preacher, don't go there. Don't go there. That's awful. They don't go there, preacher. And I have the best time picking on our Ford, our, our Ford lovers out here. But truth of the matter is, if you think for a half a second I wouldn't drive a Ford somewhere, let me tell you something. All we've had for 30 years are these Ford club wagon vans, and you can't kill them. You can't kill them. Is that right, Alan? I think if you go out here and shoot them with a, uh, with a, 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 a three, I, I'm telling you, I don't think you can kill them. And, and, but wait a minute, I'm just saying this. You say, preacher, I'm Chevy, Chevy, all the way. I'm Ford, you know, born and I'm Ford bred. And when I die, I'll be Ford dead. I mean, I'm a Ford man. And by the way, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, enjoy your Ford or your Toyota or your Honda or your Hyundai or, or your, uh, or, or whatever you may have. but I'm just saying this, my dear friend, it ain't worth fussing about. I'm talking about, listen, I'm talking about Apple or Android. Now we give Evan such a hard time because he hates Apple, but I think we're winning him over, I really do. And we go back and forth and we rib each other and, and, and he criticizes Apple and Mac and we criticize Android and all that kind of thing But the truth of the matter is, church, at the end of the day, if it gets the job done, who cares what it is? Just opinion. It's important to take a stand based on position, but never on disposition. Just because you demand to be right because it's your opinion. Everybody follow me tonight? And so if it's a position, yes. And, uh, and, and there's probably, there's going to come some times at Calvary where we have to be true to our position. So somebody comes in and says, Pastor, you know, you need to uh, embrace the new homosexual agenda. I can't. I don't have any wiggle room there. Now, I'll do my best to love them. I'll do my best to lead them to Jesus. But but we won't be marrying any homosexuals at Kevin Baptist Church. You say, preacher, they'll, they'll, they'll shut you down. They may shut us down. I may have to resign my license, Brother Looney, but we'll keep on preaching Jesus. And so I'm talking about position. If somebody comes in and says, Pastor, I want to be a Sunday school teacher, uh, but I don't believe that there's a literal hell, we have to, we'll have to take a stand on our position. Somebody says, uh, Pastor, I, I'd like to preach at your church, but I don't believe in the inspiration of the word of God. We'll have to take a stand on our position. And so, yes, take a stand on your position, but never because of your disposition. And listen, Calvary, let me, let me, we're, we're about done. We're, the wheels are on the runway. Even if it's positional, not every situation always demands action. Let me give you a a, a for instance on that. Brother Lyndon's not here tonight. He might be watching. Brother Lyndon had had the sweetest little parents that you'd ever want to meet. Brother Carl and Miss Turner would sometimes come to our church and they would visit and they loved me and I loved them. And we would visit. We would often visit with, uh, with the Turners. And they were saved. They're in heaven right now. I don't have any doubt in my mind that the Turners are in heaven. And just saved, sanctified. Brother Linda's mama was uh, about, old, about as old school as you could get, you know. Uh, but the Turners, though, they believed. They believed. That it was okay for a woman to get in the pulpit and preach. Now, I have a problem with that. And it's not, truth of the matter is, I know some ladies who can out preach some men. I mean, that's just the truth. But that's not, that's not the issue. The issue says that, that a bishop must be the husband of one wife, that's a, a biblical requirement. And there's no way that a woman can be the husband of one wife. Can I get a name in right there? Amen. And so we're not. But but the Turners didn't see it like that. And so occasionally, when we would be visiting with them, and I can remember visiting with them in the hospital, uh, it would come up. And and I don't know why it would come up, but it would come up, and they would start talking about it. And you know what I would do? I'd just get off that subject. You know why? I'm not their pastor. I don't have to worry about it. Y'all see where I'm going? I'm not their preacher. I'm not their pastor. You know what I was there? I was there to visit. They were in the hospital. I was just there to be a blessing. And, and so they'd start talking about some of that stuff. Man, i just, I just sideline it. I'd go somewhere else. You say, you low, down, dirty, compromiser, you. Listen, you say what you want to say. Now, if that was some of my people, I'd probably get them and sit them down and say, listen, let's, let's talk about this. But they weren't my folks. And, and, and I don't pastor them. I was just there to try to be a blessing to them. And and I wasn't there to debate philosophy. And and, and let me give you this, church. You know what? If if, if, if debating your opinion is going to damage the situation or damage the spirit, maybe you ought to avoid it. Just avoid it. You say, Pastor, that's compromising. Okay. Well, let's see about that. Take your Bibles and real quickly and turn over to 2 Timothy chapter two. 2 Timothy chapter number two, Timothy is getting ready to go down and he's getting ready to pastor a metropolitan church in Ephesus, a large, large city. In 2 Timothy chapter two, the apostle Paul is giving this young preacher some advice. And in 2 Timothy chapter two, verse number 22 he says this to this young preacher. He says, Timothy, in verse 22, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But look at verse 23. He said, But foolish and unlearned questions, what's the word? Avoid. Avoid. Knowing, Timothy, knowing that they do gender. Strifes. In other words, if you debate this thing just for the sake of debating, it's not going to help your church. It's not going to encourage. It's not going to edify. It's not going to build up the body. All it's going to do, boy, this is amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All it's going to do is tear down, tear down the body, cause division, cause contention, cause strife, Well, it's my opinion. Okay. So it's half empty. I'm sorry you're wrong, but anyway, that's okay. okay. Turn over a few pages of the book of Titus. Titus chapter 3, and look at verse number 9. Here's another younger man that's ordaining elders in the churches. Paul writes to Titus and gives him some advice. And he says in Titus chapter three and verse number nine, Titus, but avoid foolish questions and, and genealogies and contingents and, and strivings about the law. Why? For they are unprofitable and vain. Stay away from them. The scripture that, listen, where the Bible is silent, we must be silent. Right. Now the Bible's not silent on homosexuality. The Bible's not silent on the second coming of Christ. Amen. The Bible is not silent on the virgin birth of Christ. The Bible's not silent on the inspiration of the scriptures. Amen. But the Bible is silent on half full, empty, half, half full or half empty. And so, listen, church, I believe the Lord gave me this message on purpose tonight. God's doing great things at Calvary Baptist Church. Church is growing. Folks are coming in. We had somebody, uh, Brother Justin. I talked to Brother Justin today. Brother Justin, Mr. Kristen, on deputation. You pray for him as he preaches tonight. Brother Justin said, Pastor, so we came to Bible school. He said, man, we didn't know anybody. He said, man, there were so many new people in that place. He said, man, everywhere I looked, there was new people, new people, new people, new people. And church, let me tell you something. If we're not careful, you know what will happen? The devil will get in this thing. And he'll get somebody so fired up over whether that thing is half full or half empty. And we'll start debating about it in the bookstore. And we'll start getting our little click together and saying well, you know what I believe it's half empty I, I'll tell you one thing I believe it's half empty and, uh, and I, I, I haven't found a verse yet but I think I'm going to find a verse in the Bible pretty soon that, that says it's half empty and, and before you know it when you start doing like that you know what happens you start making contention in the church and strife and hard feelings in the church well we got to bring this thing to a close by the way that one right there, it works in your marriage too. Fellas, you don't always have to respond. I know, I know, I know. Usually she got me so fired up. <laughs> I know she knows how to do that. I know, I know. She knows which buttons to push. She knows. By the way, he sort of knows too, doesn't he, ladies? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I don't understand him, I'm telling you, I just I, I mean, if I live forever, I'll never understand him. And here's what I'm saying. This works, this works in marriage. Uh, this works on the job. This works in your home. Just be still. Be still concerning position, be still concerning perception we're done tonight. How about this? Be still concerning praise, praise. And by, by that, I mean this, regardless of the circumstances, keep on praising God. Let me just read it. You can jot it down if you want to. Psalm 84.4, go home and read this. Psalm 84.4, blessed are they that dwell in thy house, they will be still praising thee. Hebrews 13.15, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving, giving thanks to his name. Hey, just keep on praising him. He's worthy of praise. You say, Pastor, this week the bottom fell out. Keep on praising him. Just keep on praising him. He's worthy of praise. You say, Pastor, I got to go to the doctor, and they think maybe uh, something may be wrong. Keep on praising him. Just keep on, just be still. Keep on praising him. And people are going to say, how can you do that with what you're going through? Man, when, it, when all the rest of the world is bitter against God, you just keep on praising him. Keep on praising him. Be still. Be still. Be steady. Hey, I, I found this. Listen to this. Someone wisely said, you can take 10 gallons of gasoline and release tremendous, a tremendous amount of power and energy by just dropping a lighted match into it. And it would. It makes a dramatic one-time impact. But there's another way to release the energy in that gasoline. You can place it in the fuel tank of a new vehicle designed to get 30 miles to the gallon And that high-tech engine will use that same 10 gallons of gasoline to steadily and surely take a person over 300 miles. Wow. But here's the problem. In some churches and a lot of Christian lives, they'd rather throw the match in it. Something happens, somebody does something, somebody says something, and just... And then people walk away from a church that's split into a thousand smithereens and they're like, I don't know what happened. I know what happened. You threw a hand grenade in the middle of the thing. That's what happened. When what we should have done was rather than strike a match, we should have put it in the fuel tank, the spiritual fuel tank. And maybe we could have got a lot more people to the destination where they need to be. Amen. Wow. Man, what a book. What a book, man. Have you ever seen anything like this? This is something, isn't it? Let's bow. Father, we thank you for your blessings and thank you for the privilege to be here tonight. Lord, help us to learn to be still, to be still. When everything inside of us is is calling for a response, When everything inside of us is wanting us to react, wanting us to say something, want us to do something, wanting us to lash back, wanting us to hurt someone, Lord, help us to learn, like our Lord, to be still in the same place. When everything around us is encouraging us to change, help us to be still. Help us to be still. Father, help some couples tonight to be still in their marriage. Just be still. Forgive, forget. Be still. Just be still. Lord, I pray you'd help some families tonight in their home. Just be still. And see the salvation of the Lord. Lord. Quit fussing and fighting. Quit trying to demand your, your opinion. Just be still. Father, you've been so good to Calvary Baptist Church. And this really is preventive maintenance type preaching tonight. Lord, we want your blessings to continue at Calvary. We want to see this ministry continue to move forward. And so, Lord, would you teach us And would you help us to be still tonight? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Hey, I'm gonna ask you to to do something tonight. If God has spoken to your heart while I was preaching, the Holy Spirit was pinpointing something in your life, I'm gonna ask you to do something real bold tonight. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to make your way to this altar. At least for a moment, you come down here and seal that decision with the Lord. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I'm going to ask you to come, and we'd like to take the Word of God and show you how to be born again tonight. So let's all stand around the house tonight, if you would. Father, I pray that you're working hearts, and I pray that you'd help folks to make a move for the Lord tonight. I know this is Wednesday night, but Wednesday night's a good night to make decisions. Lord, if you've dealt with someone tonight or you've pinpointed something in their life, their personal life or their marriage or their job or their home, Lord, right now I pray they're slipping out and I pray they'll tiptoe down to this altar with our heads bowed and eyes closed. And God, I pray that they'll they'll speak to you about this. Have your way in this invitation. Lord, if there might be one here tonight that's never been saved, I pray tonight will be the night that they'll come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So, Lord, have your way now, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, the altars are open. Would you come while we wait tonight? While we wait, would you come tonight? Lord, teach us to be still. Ever since we talked on walking in the Spirit, I've not been able to get away from that idea of temperance. So often I have to confess that to the Lord Lord, I haven't had self control like I ought to today. Forgive me for not walking in the Spirit. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, it demands temperance, self control. What about it tonight? We're going to pause just for a